Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundin, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we're talking about the results of an HCP engagement survey conducted by Wiley. Joining us are Angie List, Corporate Solutions Director, APAC at Wiley, and Harriet Jekylls, Senior Director of Content, Product, and Events at Wiley. This episode is sponsored by Wiley. So, Angie, I, I feel like people were scrambling during the pandemic to figure out what in the world was going on with HCP engagement. Can, can you tell us about this study, why now, and what you did? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Garth. Um, so, look, most people would be familiar with Wiley as a global leader in research and education, as we've been doing that very successfully for about 200 years. Uh, we have extensive expertise in scientific publishing and deep connections with researchers and societies across the globe. In fact, we are the largest society publisher in the world, producing over 430 journals for more than 300 society partners. So each week we have about 6.2 million unique visits to Wiley Online Library and a significant number of those are healthcare professionals who look to us to provide the evidence-based research insights they need to make better clinical decisions. So the passion and expertise of the Corporate Solutions Division of Wiley, though, which I'm a part of, is to support pharma and medtech corporations to implement key educational initiatives by leveraging these connections with societies and medical experts to build credible, relevant and engaging content, and then leveraging our deep insights into how this information is consumed by healthcare professionals Sorry, to ensure the content has maximum reach and impact. And this is where the survey comes in. Right. So you've got these people coming to you anyway for the, the journal content and uh, the other content. And so why not leverage those people coming to you to learn about them? All right. All right. Exactly. So- How are they using this information? And it's not something that we've only done since the pandemic. It's actually something that we've done quite regularly because it's critical um, to us to understand the evolving content needs of HCPs before, uh, prior to and since the pandemic um, to ensure that when we're planning initiatives designed to educate and engage them, um, we've got that right content preferences there. Oh, interesting. So you, is this a survey methodology that you have used over time? Well, we'll get into the results, but what I'm wondering is if this is a kind of a longitudinal ongoing thing, and since it's been going on since before the pandemic, if maybe we can see some changes, uh, more of a video or a movie than a snapshot. Yeah, absolutely. There, it is something that we have um, been doing for a while. There are some um, nuance to it. We do change some of the questions or build yeah. in some more information depending on the results. But absolutely, we are able now to see a bit of a pattern um, in what's happening. Well, so here. Um, so, so oh, how no, we did ahead. it? I thought it good. good yeah. I was just going to say good good insight into how we did it. So before, so from December 2022 to May 2023, mm-hmm. we surveyed nearly a thousand um, healthcare professionals globally. Mm-hmm. Um, they were collected from respondent from Wiley Online Library visitors during that period. Um, we also conducted a supplementary paid clinician panel, which was was conducted by EMI Research Solutions, which is a well known market research organisation. Um, now, of the respondents, the sample was roughly representative of the overall universe of the healthcare professional in terms of things like gender, age, region, practice setting and specialty. 
And when we looked at the results right down to a regional level, um, the behaviour and preferences of, of HCPs are largely consistent no matter where they are located in the world, which was really interesting. That is really interesting. And so maybe let's turn to start talking about some of the results. Harriet, what what jumped out at you from this survey? And by the way, um, Angie, I'm surprised by a lot of that, and I want to follow up on it, uh, especially <laughs> in the APAC region. I'd be interested to know if HCP uh, preferences differed there. But Harriet, what what jumped out at you from this? Yeah, survey? sure. So one of the first things, and you know, Angie was much closer on the survey side, but one of the first things that came through, or one of the biggest things, is that. HCPs are really overwhelmed. So I think whether you're an HCP or not, that's something that you can really relate to. And I think from my perspective in terms of delivering content projects, products and events to HCPs and making that information as meaningful and as relevant as possible, that's really key. But how do you do that when the pace of change is so fast and the demands of the job are so high that it's really hard to find that time to keep up with the information? So that's kind of reinforces our methodology. And I think with a lot of the projects that we deliver, so a project might be, for example, a knowledge hub, which is a website dedicated to quite a niche topic. So, for example, it could be HIV specialists. It could be specifically dedicated to them and all of the top topics from a research perspective that we're looking at. And then we take that research, those articles, and we create content assets that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think how we're providing that information, it's, it's not necessarily, a lot of the time, we tend to think about launch, you know, making a big impact at launch. And that is less important than actually the long game, giving pe people a place that they can come, that they trust, that is there consistently month in, month out, with fresh content drops and those repeat visitors coming back again and again to a place where there's brand new information, they can keep up with the pace of change and the information is there and they can spend hours or literally just 15 minutes, dependent on that time that they have. So I think we are looking at those survey results and, and what we're hearing and what we're hearing from pharmaceutical um, companies as well and what they want to deliver and how they want to engage. And then we facilitate and bridge that gap on both sides. You know, that's interesting. A lot of our listeners will be deeply involved in the creation and launch of their own knowledge hubs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're effectively delivering information in a way that a lot of medical affairs departments are delivering information. And so your learnings seem very relevant. And, and, what I think I'm hearing is that, you know, niche might be the way of the future. So uh, uh, a very targeted community. Yeah. And because I, I think if you try and create a hub that appeals to a, a very broad spectrum of healthcare professionals, you actually end up with something that doesn't tend to be that useful to many people. Or they've got to search for the things within there that are useful. And then again, you're back to that overwhelm rather than being very clear of this is our specific objective. This is the area that we're covering. And this is how we're helping to do that in a really intuitive way that kind of gives you the information that you need when you need it on your terms. I think that's the important thing, it being on the healthcare professionals terms and about the gaps that they have that they're looking to fill rather than the other way around. 
Interesting. So you, it's not, Hey, come to Wiley and you'll find everything you need. It's, it's, Hey, you know, you targeted population, we are reaching out to you to let you know exactly where to come within our ecosystem to find exactly what you need. Exactly. And and more than that as well, we really try not to be on transmit um, okay. and we try to really yeah. focus rather than on outbound, but on inbound. So when they're looking, being there at the right time in the right place with the information that they're looking for, now, obviously we communicate out, but we really don't do that a lot. We really try and fit in with the way that they're searching for information so that we can be there to be helpful when they need it. And we're collaborating on most of these projects or a lot of the projects with medical affair professionals who mm-hmm. have very, very similar goals. So it works really well. Angie, did you want to add? Uh, yeah, I was going to say it all goes back to how healthcare professionals search for information. Um, and what comes out in the survey results is that they're actively looking for information. More than a third are looking for it on a daily basis. Um, 80% are looking for actively searching out clinical information at least weekly. So we know they're out there looking for it. But then the challenge they've got is that the amount of medical information out there is so, so, so vast. It's said that a medical specialist would need to read for 21 hours a day straight to keep up with the medical information. And I think I saw the same expression on your face the last time I mentioned that um, stat to you. It's absolutely overwhelming. They say medical information is doubling every two to three months. So healthcare professionals are trying. They're out there looking for the information There's so much information out there. The other challenge that came out of this survey is that um, HCPs are really um, overwhelmed with trying to assess credibility of content. So really ensuring that they trust where that information has come from, um, that it comes from a a validated source. Um, And this is where we sort of come come in. So we're we're working with the, the way they're searching for information already, helping to distill the right information, the most relevant and credible information that they're looking for um, and helping to surface that more quickly. Yeah, and that, that, sorry, can I just build on um, Angie's point there? I think that that is another thing, like working with Angie and the teams delivering the survey that's really at the forefront of our minds in terms of that authority, gravitas, credibility within the marketplace and how we can work with medical affairs professionals to help them um, bring that. So through projects, we do that. There's quite a few different ways we do it. Sometimes we do all of these things together, but often it's tapping up one or two. So obviously the content that we're delivering, even if it's kind of something a bit lighter, like an infographic, is based on peer-reviewed content and adaptation of those. But normally with something like a knowledge hub that I mentioned previously, the first step of that for us is forming an editorial panel dedicated to that project so that all of the content, that's the starting point for the development. And we've got that steering group throughout. Um, We often have society endorsement involved. And as Mm -hmm. Angie mentioned before, we have a lot of societies that we can tap as Wiley. Um, And then we do do CME projects as well so another kind of lane but that accreditation can be really important and is often really important to the healthcare professionals themselves I think another element of this credibility and it's not necessarily just the peer-reviewed element is the regionality of it so what we see as well is how relevant something is say for example particularly in digital events for example it's really important that the KOL 
aligns with the region for the audience and that we'll see a huge draw and difference because a lot of our projects are global based on where the KOL is from. The perception is this is much more relevant to me because it's speaking specifically to my patients in country X or in region X. So that's the other part of it in terms of being authoritative that can be regionally as well as from a peer review perspective. Credibility, that seems like a big theme. Were there were there any, I don't know, I, I can imagine in an HCP survey, you wouldn't necessarily look at why HCPs would consume specific kinds of information and, and thus dig deeper into credibility. It's, it's mm-hmm. more about how they consume it, whatever. But um, credibility seems to be coming up as a, as a big theme. You know, Wiley d- doesn't seem like you would have um, challenges with that because you're Wiley and you've been there for 200 years and everyone knows you. Yeah. But you're saying also that your the, the the source of your content has to represent your audience, and you're saying that mm-hmm. r- regionally. But let's let's go back to transmit. So Harry, you said something earlier that I thought was interesting. You said you don't always want to be on transmit. Mm-hmm. Now. Well, again, Wiley probably doesn't have to be in transmit because people already know to come to you. Um, people don't always know to come to the pharma companies, do they? Do, far, do, do pharma companies need to be more in transmit? And I'm wondering if this is just a if this is just a takeaway for a Wiley, you know, or or a Harvard, or or if this is a takeaway for everyone that we shouldn't be on transmit. Yeah, I think it is probably more of a takeaway. You know, my background, it, like I come from a marketing background. So, you know, that engagement for inbound marketing, if you're catching someone in their journey and they're already thinking about a specific subject and they're searching for it and then you are there to help them, yeah. that's much more effective than they're online doing their grocery shopping and you suddenly ping them and say, hey, <laughs> look at this latest research and X, Y, Z. Um, So I think there's definitely a balance between the two and it's always great to do both. But I I do think that um, being in the right place at the right time so you're easily discoverable when it's needed is much better than constantly messaging people repetitively about the same thing when they're just not in that headspace at the moment. I think it's really easy to think about healthcare professionals just as healthcare professionals. But obviously, you know, they're also foodies they've got families they're watching netflix they don't want to constantly be bombarded with your emails at any time of the day so um there's that is really front of mind for me in terms of how we communicate and we do that at a pace that it's self-paced so that they can be on their own journey on their own terms self-paced oh yeah go ahead angie the, I was going to say the other thing that's important is really ensuring that um, it's easier that the content that they are looking for is easier to find and mm-hmm. it's easier to consume as well. So, you know, it's about ensuring that articles that are published um, on Wiley Online Library, we can do things like article enhancements. So the infographics like Harriet mentioned or video abstracts so that, you know, a a 5,000-word article can be distilled into a two-minute video summary and the clinician can get the insight that they need and then decide if they want to dig deeper. So it's about how do we make the information more available um, Mm -hmm. and from those credible sources and relevant sources so when and where the clinician has a question, um, the answer can be surfaced rather quickly. Yeah, if you trust. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So we um so in the projects that we have, it, 
I think sometimes it's just one asset type, but more often than not, it's quite a few different asset types. And that just gives that variety of content. And, you know, one sort of person may learn in a specific way or have a specific preference or maybe just not have much time at all that particular day. Or there's a topic that they just want a light touch on. They just want to get an overview. And there's another where they really want to delve deeper and deeper. So what we try to do is... We obviously have a plan out of the gate, but we allow enough space in the project that once the project is, and it's back to that long game again, once the project and the content has been out there for a few months, we're looking at the audience insights and then we flex the content, whether that's subject, format, you know, timing, regionality, whatever it is, we flex it to the audience. So we do that a lot. Um, and that's really, you know, the main way that we're deciding what we put out when. And it's whether it's to Angie's point, you know, digital events, we find that on demand. So watching those, you know, back later at your own ter terms or a summary of that event in 10 minutes rather than the whole hour, whatever mm. that looks like. Or, for example, infographics, they're all downloadable or you've got audio versions of different things that you can listen to on your commute. Just thinking about all of those ways that people making it easier for people to consume that content on their terms. Oh, that's so interesting. You're doing so much more with, with a study. We, we have a leader in maps here who, who uses the phrase, the pub is the hub. Um, and from there, everything goes. So is that, is that true? Is the publication, is the journal publication still the genesis for all of this content? Absolutely. Um, so when you look, you're talk, we were talking about credibility before and you were saying, uh, you know, Wiley, um, you know, being credible. We, it, When looking at the survey results, the overwhelming majority, nearly 80% of the 1,000 healthcare professionals surveyed say that online journals are the number one source of information. So that is still the primary source of information that they, they choose, closely followed by medical reference portals um, and other things. But, yes, the absolute information coming from uh, directly from that research and that insight, that is what the clinicians would like to go to. Um, the challenge is with so much information out there, having that editorially curated um, mm. content that is specific to that individual going, this is the most relevant information that you need right now, just saves all of that um, that, that time and, and that resource intensity of, of trying to find that information. Here's a practical question that our listeners might might want to know. So if the pub is the hub, and 80% are going to the journal article. Do, mm -hmm. do you give HCPs or whoever is visiting options for how to consume that content on the page? What I'm wondering is if you have the journal article, is there an infographic that's expandable next to it? Is there a way to click on the video summary at the journal page? You know, or or is it really still that the journal article stands alone and that all of these other things are trickled out later after it? That's yeah. a really great question. There are some articles that are published with that content already. It's part of something um, that is already part of that package. For others, it's something that we can add on later. But yes, within um, the article on Wiley Online Library, there'll be an infographic and a video oh. abstract there. And we often have um, pharma companies that sponsor the production of those to ensure that that article is surfaced more quickly in results. We do know that they are due return more quickly in results. Um, so it, it can be both ways. It can can um, be upon publication or it can be something that's added after the fact. 
Okay. Yeah, and I think that interlinking works the other way as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're more on the kind of adaptation side and you're starting with that, we'll have a content feed of all the top articles that link you back out to WOL. But then you've got that interlinking between, say, the digital event, the infographic, the e-learning and the articles all side by side. And there's that Amazon style. You read this content, so you might find this helpful. Um, and, you know, Time is so precious, you deserve that to be spoon-fed to you to make it as easy as possible, whether you're on Amazon or whether you're trying to upskill and learn for your job. So that's the approach that we're taking. You know, that's interesting. I I can imagine um, picturing a pub as the hub approach as sort of a linear thing where there's the publication and then you go to the next step, which is the infographic, which is the next step, which is a video. But it's not just a linear flow from the pub outward. It really is a hub with spokes going everywhere and and then content also coming back into, into the publication, not just out from the publication. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go too long today, but I feel like we're we, there's so much more to this survey. Take us one more place maybe and uh, and then we'll move on with our days. <laughs> what other what other results jumped out at you, either Angie or Harriet, from the survey? Yeah, so I mean, we we have touched on a lot of them, but the only other thing to to touch on is that um, the practical um, content, such as webinars, case studies, and e learning, are also rapidly growing in interest. So, um, in, and these options actually were selected three to four times more than this survey than in previous surveys. So, you know, you're right. The pub is the hub. But, you know, there, there are multiple ways of ensuring that information is disseminate, disseminated and can be consumed in the way the healthcare professionals want. So when you're looking at content plans, when you're looking at engagement plans, you know, adapting to these format preferences and considering multi-touch engagement um, and a variety of formats is really, really key um, because there will be uh, multiple opportunities to get that same information across. Okay. That's interesting. And and potentially identifying your researchers who are capable of delivering um, video content and all that good stuff. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Harriet and Angie, for joining us today. To learn more about how your organization can partner with Wiley, visit Wiley.com. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.